but we're going to go on buying Russian gas. And the UK government still, have still not woken up to the fact that energy security is going to be a huge issue in Western politics now for many, many years to come. And a friend of mine, Donald Trump, was to the fore on this, spoke at the UN a couple of years ago and said... Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Fortune and Freedom and the Week in Review. Uh, my name's Rob Marstrand and I'm standing in for Nick Hubble, who can't be with us this week. Uh, usually I'm the Investment Director of UK Independent Wealth and I'm joined today by Nigel Farage to catch up on the week's events. Nigel, hi, how are you? Yeah, well, obviously watching all of this with interest, concern, uh, worried about escalations, certainly Poland, uh, you know, now talking about transferring MiG jets, but other NATO members saying don't do that. Um, uh, Russian forces uh, clearly taking quite big losses. Um, it looks like it, it does look as though they've sent the B team in. Um, quite what Putin's next move is, I don't know. Uh, but the effects on markets and the effects on policy, um, I think, are here for many, many, many years to come, regardless of what happens in the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I, it's interesting you mentioned that. I totally agree because I, well, reading the news today, the US is basically banning Russian oil and gas and coal. I don't suppose they buy an awful lot of coal over in the USA, but um, it's, a, it's a symbolic thing. Um, the UK is moving in the direction of banning Russian oil and the EU, albeit slowly, is finally making some signals towards that direction. I can't see us rushing back to uh, Russian commodity exports, even if this war was to stop tomorrow. What's your view on that? Well, yes, no. I mean, <laughs> I can't see us wanting to go back to wanting to import goods from Russia. But what do we do? I mean, they produce 8% of the world's oil, 10% of the world's nickel, 80% um, of the sunflower oil comes from Ukraine that we use um, a, a huge amount of wheat. So, you know, we're very, very dependent on Russia and Ukraine, interestingly, more for the agricultural side. But but so it's not that easy. And, you know, we can talk about stopping buying their goods, but then they could just turn Nord Stream 1 off and close down Germany. So, I, you know, this is not straightforward. Um, I think the most frustrating thing is quasi quieting our business minister, saying nothing about gas at all. You know, we're going to go on buying Russian gas. Yeah, sure. It's only 4% of what we buy, but we're going to go on buying Russian gas. And the UK government have still, have still not woken up to the fact that energy security is going to be a huge issue in Western politics now for many, many years to come. And a friend of mine, Donald Trump, was to the fore on this, spoke at the UN a couple of years ago and said that Europe was making a huge mistake. He, he singled out Germany. He said Germany would find itself on this policy being entirely dependent upon Russia. And, you know, the West German delegation, or the German delegation, I should say, laughed at him. Idiots. Led by people like Schroeder, who went off to work for Gazprom. Led by people like Merkel, who made them wholly dependent. And I tell you what, you know, as I say, we and the Americans can do what we're doing. Europe finds itself in a deep, deep hole. And actually, actually, when it really comes to it, Putin's got potentially more destructive economic power over us than the other way around. Yeah, I actually saw that clip. And of course, Trump's not going to get any credit for spotting that uh, that risk. But um, it is yeah. what it is. As for uh, the UK politicians, I think it may have been Kwasi Kwarteng or it may have been someone else. But I saw uh, um, a quote along the lines of, 
well, we don't need to produce our own gas because it won't reduce the price anyway. But I think that's completely missing the point. The point is not necessarily just about price. It's about energy and food security, as in producing it at home. What's your yes, view on I mean, that? security point. The security point, absolutely mm-hmm. no question about it. And interesting to note, of course, one of the real reasons for pressure on the gas market is the Chinese are now importing ever-increasing amounts of gas. Do you know why? Because they built lots of wind turbines. And yes, they're burning millions of t- uh, you know, hundreds of millions of tons of coal every year as well. That's because as China urbanizes, people want fridges and freezers and electricity and laptops and all the rest of it. So, the, and, and I, I've been saying this now for weeks, the more wind energy you have, the more gas you have to use when the wind doesn't blow. So there's a real squeeze going on, genuinely, within gas. Uh, we're sitting on reserves, estimates vary, one between one and two trillion pounds worth of, of gas onshore in the United Kingdom. And so I'm really pushing hard the logical argument that we should be exploiting that on price if they're right when they say that and by the way we've dealt with the security aspect but if they're right how is it in the midwest of america gas is half the price it is here so you know these arguments don't stack up and what's to stop government having some investment in some of these wells what's to stop government getting involved in some of this Uh, you know so there are ways there are ways we can bring prices down by the way onshore gas much cheaper to extract than offshore gas. Yeah, quite right. I mean, something I was I found extraordinary is that um, the USA wanting to cut off Russia is is apparently now talking to Venezuela, the great socialist um, paradise, the failed state in South, South America, um, which I find extraordinary. And at the same time, um, people are leaning on Saudi Arabia to increase the supply along with the rest of OPEC. But they seem to be digging their heels in, partly because they're upset about what's going on with the talks in Iran to uh, release Iranian <laughs> supply back in the market. So I don't know if you've seen some, some coverage of that as well. Well, I mean, this, this is a change of American administration, isn't it? You know, Trump pivoted towards Saudi Arabia. It was actually his first overseas trip. So he wanted better relations with Saudi Arabia. Um, and Iran, he considered to be the bad guys. Iran, he considered to be the sponsors of terrorism across that region thought the Iran nuclear deal was a mistake, that the Iranians were actually breaking all the rules anyway, but we're back with Biden and his friends in the European Union who somehow seem to think the Iranians are the good guys. So yes, that's the reason for reluctance coming from Saudi Arabia. Um, and they probably also are quite enjoying the price where it is, to be honest. Well, absolutely. But I think I, I think we can assume that oil stays pretty expensive for quite a while. Well, that's I think that's right. And I think, you know, I mean, look across the board, look at nickel. I mean, I spent 20 years on the London Metal Exchange I was totally opposed to them selling it, by the way, to the Chinese. Interesting, isn't it? There's a big Chinese short in the market who owes the brokers billions. What happens? The exchange suspend trading and cancel all the trades from that day. I've never seen that in all. Now, you can draw your own conclusions as to why that might be. Um, But, you know, even a commodity like nickel, uh, the price going up, you know, what is nickel used for? Electric car batteries, a very important component. Steel, plumbing in your house. So whichever way you look at this, and even if we do see prices settle back considerably, they're gonna settle back to a higher level. So these cost of living uh, realities, these inflationary realities are here to stay. And all of that says to me, Rob, that you know, with many of the things that you've been talking about with gold, for argument's sake, and gold miners, um, you know, one or two of these things are now beginning as investments after a period of some patience 
but they're, they're now beginning to come into their own. Yeah, well, uh, I have to say, it looks like inflation is going to be embedded for a little while now. And we, we over at UK Independent Wealth, we sort of kind of felt that way back early last year, well before the, the mainstream media were cottoning onto the, to the risks. But now there's just an extra pressure. And, you know, traditionally, uh, one of the havens from crisis and inflation has been gold. So it seems to me it's it's no surprise that it started moving. Um, and I believe now the um, the gold price is above $2,000 an ounce, which is you know, pretty near the sort of record levels. So clearly a lot of people share that view. Yeah, I think that's right. And, um, and, and a, lot of, a lot of money was going into crypto, uh, but, but mm. now we're seeing a more traditional assessment of where we are. That's why it's going into gold. And as I say, it's been paying quite good returns. Overall, the markets are gonna be very difficult, gonna be very, very choppy. You know, prolonged period of inflation is not gonna be great for many, many sectors. Uh, but the fact is, you know, good solid companies without too much debt will still do well. Well, thank you, Nigel. That was our week in review. Um, we'll look forward to seeing you next time.